Welcome to Finance Lab, a podcast for the intellectual investor, powered by Dalbar, an independent financial research firm dedicated to improving the investor experience. Finance Lab is where real investors get practical insight and perspective from real experts. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the fascinating world of finance, exploring topics like investing, financial planning, market trends, and everything in between. We're here to empower you with the tools and knowledge necessary to make informed financial decisions. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Finance Lab. I'm your host, Corey Clark, Chief Marketing Officer at Dalbar. Today's episode, we're going to take an objective look at the financial services industry, identifying some of the different roles that financial professionals play. Now, we tend to describe all financial professionals under one catch-all term of advisors. But the truth is not all advisors operate under the same business model or have the same compensation structure or provide access to the same kinds of investment vehicles. Now, we're not here to tell you that one is necessarily better than the other. This depends on the individual facts, circumstances, and quite frankly, the preferences of the investor. But this is a polarizing topic in the industry, and we're going to tackle that head-on today. And we'll also do it through the lens of another polarizing subject, uh, and that's annuities and guaranteed income products. Uh, Some professionals swear by the virtues of annuities, while others villainize them. And our guest today doesn't fall into either one of those camps, and he's here to give us a balanced perspective on the industry and one of its most provocative and perhaps misunderstood products. His name is Jeff Betterman. Jeff is president and CEO of Thorngate Financial and specializes in retirement income planning. He's an investment advisor representative and a registered financial consultant. Jeff comes to us today with more than 20 years of experience helping families navigate retirement, and he also serves as a consultant to other financial professionals across the country on various types of asset management and income planning strategies. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Hello. So, Jeff, before the show, we were chatting, and you had said to me that that you feel the industry is quite polarized. What, what did you mean by that? Well, it's an interesting topic, Corey. Um, it's an important topic, and it's probably not discussed enough within the industry and perhaps even regulators. Um, but financial advisors in the industry are very polarized on their views of what is right and what's wrong for a client. On one hand, uh, you have insurance agents, and they're really only insurance licensed agents. uh, And they will tell you in a lot of instances that the stock market is a terrible place to have money and that safe annuities are your best bet in retirement. But on the other hand, you have fee-only advisors um, that will tell you that annuities are terrible products. And so the big question is, which one of them is right? Which one's right? So the answer is really uh, both of them are wrong. How about that, Corey? Um, so, you know, again, the industry is very polarized with the discussion about annuities. Um, I am holding here in my hand a Wharton uh, Financial Institution Center white paper. Uh, in this white paper, it's, it's, uh, it's a great read and it discusses really annuities. And it's called Investing Your Lump Sum in Retirement. And there's a paragraph in here that's called Economist's View of Decumulation. And it basically says, look, Harvard, Yale, Chicago, Wharton School of Business, University of Chicago, Carnegie Mellon, and Nobel Prize winners all agree that annuities are important and critical retirement tools. So my first question would really be, how how does a a fee-only so-called fiduciary advisor uh, suggest that annuities are bad? 
and that and that's pervasive, right? I mean, there there are a lot of professionals that, as I said in the in the intro, they they villainize uh, annuities, and and so would you would you say that that characterization is is unfair? Yeah, and and on a regular basis, almost a daily basis, I I speak with advisors. A lot of them are fee only, um, and it's really interesting, Corey, because if I ask them to explain to me how annuities work and how they might benefit clients, um, they're usually unable to really specifically. Uh, discuss those. And as an investor, how do I know who I'm working with? Like, is it, is that something that should be clear and obvious? Is it going to be John Smith, comma, agent, John Smith, comma, fiduciary? Like, a, as an investor, how, how do you sift through this to understand sort of who you're working with and, and what how they might likely approach a retirement strategy? Yeah, gosh, Corey. I mean, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, most of uh, Americans, you know, they're they're about to retire. There's a lot of retirement folks looking to retire. Excuse me, um, and they're not exactly sure what they're looking for an advisor. Right? You know, of course, they want to find someone that they like, uh, that they trust, that they feel like they can effectively uh, communicate with. Um, but they really don't understand how an advisor is really positioned in the industry. Um, there's a lot of marketing out there uh, about fiduciary duties and responsibilities. Um, a lot of clients will ask about that, but they're really not sure who to believe because there's a lot of really good salespeople out there pushing for annuities. Uh, they make a very strong case and, and in a lot of cases, justifiably so. Uh, but then you'll have the fee-only advisor that will tell you annuities are terrible. And, and I think clients are really struggling to understand who to believe and who to trust. Hmm. So I guess as a as a hypothetical, if if I'm an investor and I'm working with a professional and they are dismissing right right from the get go the the virtue of an annuity in, in my specific retirement income plan, should that be a red a red flag to me? And then on the flip side, uh, if I'm dealing with a professional who goes right to the annuity and seems to not be considering other securities and being in the stock market. I mean, that that's sort of the polarization we're talking about. Should both of those sort of raise red flags to me as an investor? You know, it, it can. Um, I, I think it should raise some red flags. Um, what I could say very comfortably is that in most cases, you're going to be far better off with a fee-only fiduciary advisor as opposed to just an insurance agent. Um, but at the same time, it, it just depends. The situation really depends. There are some folks that their situation may dictate that uh, a fee-only account, a fee-only advisor is just what they need. They don't necessarily need an annuity. Uh, but the challenge is, is when they're having a conversation with a fee-only advisor, um, they're not necessarily getting all of the information. Um, and, and the question isn't really being addressed as whether an annuity might be appropriate for that client or not. So I, I think that, um, you know, if you are on both ends of the spectrum, I think that that should be a red flag. Mm-hmm. So to, to circle back, because as you mentioned, annuities are misunderstood, even even by professionals, they can be misunderstood. They're complicated. They're complicated products. It, it does take uh, quite a quite a bit of, of knowledge to sort of understand them and understand how they fit into the, the greater picture. But just a level set for, for the audience a bit here, because I think this is a good opportunity for for listeners to learn a little bit more about annuities, um, what are some of the main types of annuities, and what are what are their virtues, or what are they what are they used for? Yeah, yeah, and, and let me start by saying, you know, their annuities do get a bad rap out there, um, and 
a lot of the bad reputation that, uh, you know, that come with annuities typically is the manner in which they are sold. And so, uh, you know, they they have commissions. Uh, there are some folks that feel like a, a commission product is a bad product just because a product has a commission tied to it doesn't necessarily make it a bad product. Um, but there are several types of annuities. Uh, I'll discuss three of them really quickly here. Um, the first one would, would be a fixed annuity. Uh, and a fixed annuity is very similar to a bank CD. Uh, you'll get a fixed rate of return for a certain period of time. Uh, the next one would be a fixed indexed annuity. Uh, and that fixed indexed annuity has two components, really. Uh, you have principal protection. Uh, you can't lose any money in it. Um, but the performance of the annuity and the crediting uh, or the way you earn interest is tied typically to uh, an index, uh, normally the S&P 500. So if the S&P 500 were to increase in value, your annuity would go up along with it. Um, in an, a fixed index annuity, there are some limitations to how much you can actually earn. Uh, we won't get into the details of that. Uh, but typically, it's not a replacement for the stock market. Uh, it would be a bond alternative. So the rates of return that we see, historically speaking, in a fixed indexed annuity would be um, just above what we would expect to get in a bond. But a big value add to that fixed index annuity is you cannot lose any money. Um, there is tangible downside protection, so your principal is protected. The third type of annuity is really a variable annuity. A variable annuity is tied to the market, usually invested in a portfolio of bond mutual funds and stock mutual funds. Um, there isn't any principal protection there, so it functions similar to how a brokerage account or an IRA account would function. Um, but a lot of times they have guaranteed lifetime income riders attached to them, uh, similar to how a fixed index annuity would. Could you explain a little bit about what uh, a guaranteed lifetime income rider is? Because I'm, I'm sure that anyone who's discussed or looked into annuities has seen the term rider and there's all sorts of riders. But you know, guaranteed lifetime income is, is probably the most popular one. Um, could could you explain a, a little bit about what those are and, and when they may be needed and when they might not be needed? Yeah, sure. So uh, a guaranteed lifetime income rider is just that. Um, it's attached to an annuity. And what it will do, it, it's a way for an insurance company to, to pool risk um, to make sure that folks don't run out of money in retirement. Um, so typically what we'll see is if you throw in a lump sum, uh, you will have two balances in there. You're going to have a cash value balance and you're going to have a guaranteed lifetime income balance. In a lot of cases, that guaranteed lifetime income uh, amount is going to be substantially higher than what the cash value is. And that guaranteed lifetime income number is an actuarial number that they use to determine how much lifetime income they're going to get or a client will receive. And we'll see those distribution rates uh, anywhere between 5 and 7%. So, for example, if I have a portfolio of $100,000, typically the rule of thumb is that I could sell off 4% of my portfolio to live on, uh, meaning that the budget is about $4,000 a year. But if I were to execute an income rider on, a, on an annuity product, my income might be Five to seven percent, or five to seven thousand dollars on that hundred thousand. Um, and the difference is, is if I'm selling off a portion of my portfolio um, to live on, there is a chance that I could run out of money. Whereas on the other side, with an annuity, uh, that income is guaranteed for your life 
uh, or the life of you and your spouse, spouse collectively. So g- generally speaking, would these riders uh, be more important to uh, someone that has more income needs? Uh, like, you know, for, for example, you know, if, if Jeff Bezos was looking at, at annuities, he probably wouldn't benefit much from a, a guaranteed lifetime income rider. Jeff, I know you're listening to us, so I'm sorry to use it as an example, but yeah, <laughs> um, but like, so you know, if 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 you have your your income needs taken care of, if you're if you're fortunate enough to be very wealthy, are is is that a profile of an investor that typically would would go for a guaranteed lifetime income rider, or or is it more those that that need to fill fill a gap? If I'm understanding what you're saying correctly. And it's a great question. It's a very, very tough question to answer in a short period of time. Um, and the answer really is it depends. Um, there are numerous situations where an annuity might make sense. But by and large, if I had to generalize, um, I think a good advisor is one that's going to separate um, discretionary spending from non-discretionary spending. And if we run across a client that has an income gap in retirement, we know that they need regimented monthly income to survive, to keep the lights on, if you will. Um, that's where we typically see an, an annuity being used in the right way. Um, so a good advisor will identify the gap, um, determine how much income they are going to need back into the annuity itself to determine how much they're going to put into the annuity to get the desired result. But at the same time, you know, there, you know, these, these fixed index annuities can be a really nice bond alternative. I wouldn't say a bond replacement. Um, but historically looking back, um, over the last 20 years, they've outperformed bonds, uh, without the risk to principle that we've seen, particularly recently. So, you know, someone like, you know, Jeff Bezos might, um, we're very confident that he could benefit from a fixed indexed annuity, uh, in a portion of his bond portfolio. And the numbers show us that, um, your bond return, or I'm sorry, your portfolio returns can be increased while your risk is reduced. So, Kari, it's a great question, but it's very, very difficult to determine um, if and when an annuity is appropriate. Um, but what I do know is, unfortunately, annuities typically are oversold. Um, as a matter of fact, annuities with income riders, 80% of them are actually never used. Oh, and, you're, and they're paying for that, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's not cheap. Um, so, you know, that means that 80% of the time these annuities are missold. Um, I'll give you a really good example. Um, I was working in Florida with a lot of teachers. And uh, the neat thing about teachers at the time was, was that when they were going to retire, they were going to get a full pension, but they didn't have a Social Security offset. So these teachers are retiring with full Social Security full pension. And in some instances, we're getting actual pay raise when they retired. And that was the case uh, with this lady I had run into. And uh, unfortunately for her, she rolled over a $300,000 403B account into a variable annuity product with an income rider. And I was just flabbergasted. Um, She was going to pay 3% a year in fees on $300,000 a year. So that's $9,000 a year for basically the rest of her life. So I calculated it and she was going to end up spending well over $250,000 in fees um, for a product that she never really needed. And that's a, that's a perfect example of how these annuities typically are oversold or misused. Something came to mind as you, as you were talking just off the top of my head is I, I was wondering about 
risk tolerance. If I'm a skittish investor and I, I can't stand to lose money or I'm afraid that, you know, at the first sign of a market downfall, I'm going to sell out. Is, is that something that, that you would take into account in, in, in this equation at all? I think it is something we should take into um, into account. Um, I think the challenge with insurance only agents, <laughs> Corey, is that they can't wait for somebody to say that. They can't wait for someone to say that they fear the market because uh, now they know that they can cram as much money as possible into an annuity and they're going to justify it because their client is fearful of the market. Where a good advisor would really try to educate a client as to how the market works. Um, you know, the market's not a casino. It's not gambling. Um, by and large, most financial planners would agree that it is a fundamentally sound tool uh, to use to try and help someone create and grow wealth um, and, and, and com- combat inflation and longevity. I think that it should be considered for sure. We can help reduce risk. Um, but it, the, the skilled advisors, the ones that are down the middle, are really, really good at trying to find the ratios uh, between the use of annuities and uh, investing in the market. So bottom line, annuities are, are not bad, but they are in certain circumstances oversold. Um, so I, I want to sort of turn the page and look at the other side of that coin because, again, we said that this is a, a, a polarizing industry, particularly with respect to annuities. So you have the oversold scenario uh, that we talked about, but there's also the undersold scenario. Um, could you talk? So what in, in practical sense, when and why do annuities become undersold? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's a little bit harder to answer. I, I think when they do become undersold is, is you know, when you're a fee-only advisor and, and a so-called fiduciary, and perhaps you have a client that is constrained. Um, and the best way to give you an example, I'll try to get into the numbers and explain them as best I can here uh, without a chalkboard. But let's say I'm, I'm a, a client, I go to a fee-only advisor, and I have a million dollars, and I need $50,000 a year of income on that money. Well, generally the rule of thumb is that I can live on 4% of that portfolio, meaning on my million dollars, I can really generate $40,000 a year of income without running out. Um, But if you remember just a moment ago, I mentioned that I might need $50,000 a year. So I guess my question would be, how does that fiduciary only advisor generate that 5% a year um, comfortably for everybody? Um, to the point where everyone is is feeling good about that client not running out of money. And I think the challenge you have is that a 6% distribution rate, Corey, you have a 50% chance to run out of money. But I could have, let's say, for example, on that million dollars, I could have thrown $500,000 into a fixed indexed annuity with an income rider, gotten 6% on that, which would be $30,000. Now, on the other half, on the $500,000, I can abide by the 4% rule and generate the remaining $20,000 that's necessary. So essentially what I've done now as an advisor is I've created the income necessary for the client, but I've significantly reduced the risk um, across the board. I've reduced the uh, sequence of returns risk. I've reduced the risk of the distribution rate being too high um, by giving them that guaranteed enhanced lifetime income. You mentioned fee only fiduciaries and I 
you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you had mentioned fee-based in, in this conversation or not, but I, I, I know that that's sort of a, a dichotomy that, that exists, fee-only versus fee-based fiduciary. How does that play into, into this scenario? Is, is, uh, is one more likely to be non-polarized versus another? And, and how, how would you, or I guess first, how would you define the difference between fee-only and fee-based? Uh, and how does that relate to uh, guaranteed income that we're talking about here today? Yeah, Corey. And, and there's a lot of folks that aren't going to like what I have to say as, as far as that goes. But the difference between a fee-based advisor and a fee-only advisor is that a fee-only advisor does not use annuities, where a fee-based advisor is going to try to use annuities when it's appropriate. Uh, and the challenge that a lot of us have within the industry, and I have yet to run across anybody that disagrees with me other than a fee-only advisor, is that we could argue um, that a fee-only advisor is violating their fiduciary standard every single day because they don't use annuities. So if I have a white paper, again, I'll refer back to this, and Harvard, Yale, and MIT, and Wharton School of Business, and University of Chicago, and all of these folks have conducted studies and say annuities are critical in retirement, how could I therefore say that I am going to act in a fiduciary capacity but completely dismiss annuities? I, I just don't know how you can do that. And wh- why why are they dismissing the annuity? Is it, is it a situation where they, they aren't in a position to offer them? They don't have that sort of arrow in their quiver or is it just more of their philosophy what 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 leads to that that position you know it, it's hard to really know i think a lot of it has to do with how you kind of grow up in the industry a lot of times you grew up on the security side sometimes you grew up on the insurance side um you know i i don't want to suggest that uh, fee only advisors are ill-intentioned um and and really don't have your best interests in mind um, but I think uh, they really need to take a long, hard look to really make sure that they can understand annuities and the values and, and, and understand when they're appropriate. By and large, um, and I talk to financial advisors every single day, and the fee-only advisors that I do talk to, um, if I asked them to explain to me how an annuity will work, they, they can't do it, Corey. Uh, they really don't know how they work and what the value are, the values are. Well, We've tackled both sides of the spectrum here. The uh, again, the, the the industry is polarizing. We talked about it being undersold. We talked about them being oversold. Uh, and so, what I'd like to do, we're going to take a quick break. But what I'd like to do when we get back is focus a little bit more on that middle ground, that place where uh, professionals should be, where where investors should be, uh, and, and talk a little bit about how an investor can decide who they should be working with because, you know, similar to annuities, even the the different financial professional arrangements are not black and white. It's not, you know, one isn't right for everyone. The other isn't right for everyone. So I think there's a lot of uh, great material uh, and great um, information that we can uh, dig, dig a little bit deeper into. And I'd like to do that uh, right when we get back from this short break. This episode is brought to you by Dalbar. Dalbar is the nation's leading financial services market research firm and is committed to raising the standards of excellence in financial services. For more podcast episodes, visit financelab.dalbar.com. And now back to the episode. Welcome back to Finance Lab. We're here with Jeff Betterman, and we're talking about the financial services industry and specifically 
annuities. Now, before the break, we talked about scenarios in which annuities tend to be oversold. We talked about scenarios where annuities tend to be oversold. And so what I'd like to spend some time doing now is as an investor, how do how do we know who we should be working with? How do we know when looking at our own personal situation what is likely to be best for us with respect to what type of financial professional arrangement we're looking for? Yeah, it's a good question, Corey. And I think that th- this is this is the undercurrent. Um, this is really the retirement planning crisis undercurrent that um, I think Americans are struggling with. And I would start by saying, really, if you had to gravitate uh, towards one or the other um, on this polarization, I, I think you're in most cases going to be far better off working with a fee-only advisor. I uh, would just say that. But uh, what's important, again, is we've established how important and critical uh, annuities can be. And your best bet is really going to be to find an advisor that, again, is down the middle. Uh, they do offer fee-based accounts. They can act in a fiduciary capacity, but they're going to be able to have an intelligent discussion um, uh, and a dynamic thought process as to how an important uh, an annuity might be for you. So at least let them make a determination whether an annuity may or may not be appropriate. Um, and so when you're when you're searching for an advisor, I would suggest that you you do ask whether they are a fiduciary or not. I think you want to ask them uh, their thoughts on annuities. Um, but most importantly, you should really make sure that an advisor is going to take their time. Um, typically, that process uh, should be at least three to five appointments. Um, you want to make sure that they're asking you a lot of questions to understand your your goals, your needs, your wants, um, and that they're coming back to you with questions to dig a little bit further on, on some of those topics. Um, but I, I think that the biggest message I would say is try to find someone that's in the middle that is going to, you know, uh, spend their time with you, uh, not be in a hurry, not pitch products right off the bat uh, one way or the other. Um, and, and my strong suggestion would be just to take your time. Don't make a decision while you're on the phone or in, in the financial advisor's office. Always take back a home with you, the plan that they recommend, discuss it, schedule a follow-up meeting for your questions. Um, and then from there, you can decide whether you want to execute and go forward with that particular advisor. So how do, how do professionals typically get get paid uh, in in these instances, obviously, when we say fee based or fee only, we're you know we're talking it's in the name, right? They're they're getting a fee, which is generally a, a, a percentage of assets under advisement or under management. Uh, is is that fair to say? Yeah. How do they get paid on annuities, or how would an agent get paid on annuities? How how does that differ? Yeah. So there, there's a difference, um, and and really, it's, it's kind of semantics in a way, but. And an annuity, those are typically commission products. So uh, an advisor or an agent is going to get paid uh, a percentage of the amount that you put into the annuity as a commission. So is that, is that concerning? If, I, if I'm an, an investor, should I be trying to stay away from commission products? I, I would say absolutely not. Uh, just because a product has a commission doesn't make it a bad product. And, you know, that, that, that's hard to argue. You know, about, again, there's a lot of value in annuities. Um, and so, uh, an, an advisor, um, you know, we, we should get paid for our advice, not to the detriment of the client. Um, but, um, you know, our advice is, is valuable. And, and again, we, you know, we deserve to, to make a living. 
Um, but I would say that, um, you know, when you hear the, the word commission and commission products, uh, there's a lot of uh, misguided marketing out there to suggest that commission products are bad, uh, and they're just not. Um, again, I'll, re- I'll reference back to the white paper we were discussing earlier. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, you could really argue that um, a, a fee account um, could negatively impact a client as well. Over the lifetime and the relationship of a, of a client advisor relationship that isn't a fee-based account, um, the client's going to pay substantially more in fees to that advisor over their lifetime than they would in a commission product than an annuity. I mean, I suppose if you're getting the value that, that you want looking to get, why do you care how, how they get paid? I mean, ultimately, I mean, it, it, whether it's a commission or whether it's out of assets under management, it really should just be a function of value, right? It is. Yeah. You know, fees are only a problem in the absence of value. Um, you know, I think the studies show that working with a financial advisor has tremendous value uh, in many, many different ways. And, and I want to clarify, too, just because you're paying some, you know, more in fees to work with an advisor that is fee only uh, doesn't make that bad either. Um, that ongoing relationship, um, that, that is a strong dynamic, um, and that ongoing advice and having a consistent plan uh, and having a, a consistent relationship, um, that there, there's a lot of value in that as well. And, and there's fees that go along with it. Um, and I don't think you know, consumers should really be too worried about uh, paying fees to an advisor in, in any way, shape, or form. And, and so for a, for a commission product, if there's a, a commission being paid, how does that affect the, the product? Is that, is that typically like a one-time thing? Is it something that the investor is paying on an ongoing basis? How does that typically work? Yeah, in annuity, you know, there's not a lot of transparency there. Um, so the commissions are being paid out. A lot of times the clients don't feel it, but it really does affect the underlying pricing. Um, you know, so, but, you know, it, 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 the same thing could be said for a mutual fund and, and distribution fees and, and things like that. Um, so it, it, as long as the annuity is being used in the correct way um, and it's the right kind of annuity, you know, there's a tremendous amount of value to clients uh, to be in an annuity that is priced uh, as such to make sure an advisor you know, is paid accordingly. And does the nature of the relationship tend to be different? I, I mean, I know one of the hallmarks of, of, of a fiduciary relationship is that there's an, an ongoing duty to monitor. Are there any major differences that investors should be aware of in terms of what the relationship looks like with uh, maybe an insurance agent versus a fiduciary investment advisor? Uh, without question, Corey, and, and that's why I, I would, you know, said earlier that uh, if you had to gravitate towards one, I would absolutely gravitate towards the fee-only advisor. Um, they are on the hook uh, for how well your plan goes, uh, and they are held to a higher standard. Uh, that uh, again, it's a fiduciary standard uh, on an ongoing basis, um, and that's not an easy thing to do. That requires a lot of skill. Um, as opposed to an, an insurance agent, you know, can sell you an annuity and you may never, ever hear from them again. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, they don't necessarily have to own up to the recommendations or the sale that they made to you. And, and I'll go back to that uh, case I had discussed earlier. There's really no repercussion uh, for that advisor that threw that retired teacher into a variable annuity with 3% fees um, uh, very unnecessarily. So I feel like this might sound like a naive question or it might be a naive question, but do these 
different types of professionals, an insurance agent and say a fee-only fiduciary ever work together in tandem? And, and I guess what I mean by that is, um, say I'm a, a fee-only fiduciary and I don't, I don't sell annuities. I don't really have uh, the ability to offer them to my clients, um, but I've identified a need and then I sort of refer them out or recommend them to an insurance agent to take care of that portion of their portfolio. Is that that kumbaya thing? Does that, is that happen or, or, or is that naive? Like, is, is that common? It, it's not naive, Corey. It, it, it's, uh, it happens. Um, it doesn't happen enough. Um, I have seen a lot of instances where fee-only shops do partner with insurance folks and, um, they will help with an annuity when it's appropriate. Um, so it's it's not a unicorn, <laughs> but um, it's out there. It probably doesn't happen enough. And, and I think on the other side, what we're seeing more and more and more are insurance agents finally realizing um, that, hey, um, I really need to make sure that I take my profession seriously, that um, I need to make sure that I am offering real um, uh, securities and investments to my clients. Um, and I need to figure out how to how to establish those ratios between the two. Um, so we're seeing a lot of insurance agents partnering up with RIAs um, to help them learn the and navigate the landscape of um, fee based accounts. So more of that might be the solution to the polarization problem, right? If if, if we could get more of that, yeah, exactly. More more of that would be helpful to to the situation. Um, I, in, in my opinion, I, I feel very strongly about that, about this, that our, our industry is just too easy to get into, Corey. Um, you know, I could really study for two or three weeks, maybe four weeks, get an insurance license, um, you know, study for another four weeks and get a, a series 65, which would allow me to facilitate, um, and manage a client's money in the stock market. Um, and, and having those two, um, licenses or credentials, it's just not enough. Uh, most of that is really to teach uh, advisors how to not get into trouble. Uh, it doesn't really display any competency. And really, I would love to see the industry uh, make it a lot more difficult um, for someone to get in, whether it's a CFP designation, a CHFC uh, designation, an RFC designation, something that is a lot more deep uh, with the requirements and establishing a knowledge base to then enter in and, and start giving advice. Yeah, that's a good point for for investors that maybe you know if they're they're shopping for uh, a professional, they haven't had a, a relationship with a financial professional. Um, yeah, important to understand that being in the industry doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, that you have a, a certain competency so that it's sort of, in a way, buyer beware. There's a, a little bit more due diligence that needs to be, needs to be done. Um, I know that, uh, you know, that's something that, that Dalbar does a lot of in, in vetting advisors and financial professionals is sort of that, that extra layer that, that investors can rely on to know, you know, whether or not uh, who they're hiring is, is, you know, has the right experience, the education and, and, and track record. So yeah, that that's a that's a really good uh, consumer advocacy tip that's infused in there. Appreciate that. So we're getting close to the end here, but I do want to give you a chance to provide some final thoughts before we we run out of time. Um, you know, anything else that that you'd like to share to sort of put a bow on on the conversation that that we had here today? I just think that for consumers, um, 
you know, I think you really need to, uh, and I'm, I'm some reiterating here, but I think you need to find someone that you like, that you can trust, that you feel like understands you, that you can effectively communicate with. Um, and you know that they're trying to understand your situation, um, that you're engaged in a process, I would say at least three to five uh, appointments at a minimum, and really ask tough questions. Are you a fiduciary? How do you feel about annuities? Um, have you ever had a client run out of money? Uh, you know, don't don't hesitate um, to really uh, discuss and ask what is on your mind. Uh, this is so important. Uh, it's your money. Uh, you worked really hard for it. Uh, and there are um, probably more ways to uh, ruin a retirement than there are to secure one. That's Jeff Betterman. Those who are interested in learning more about this topic, you can access show notes, contact Jeff access the Wharton white paper referenced in this episode or a copy of the book Bad Advisors, How to Identify Them and How to Avoid Them by visiting this episode page on financelab.dalbar.com. Jeff, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Corey. Peace of Mind Planning, LLC, doing business as Advisor Share Wealth Management is an SEC registered investment advisory firm. Advisor Share Wealth Management and any investment advisor representatives of Advisor Share Wealth Management may only transact business in a state if first licensed, excluded, or exempted from the applicable licensing requirements. Any subsequent communication by Advisor Share Wealth Management and its investment advisor representatives that involve either affecting or attempting to affect transactions and securities or rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation will not be made without complying with appropriate state registration requirements or obtaining an applicable exemption or exclusion. No representation is made that any risk management technique, investment philosophy, investment strategy, portfolio construction, and management technique or goals described in this presentation will or are likely to be achieved or to be successful. Past performance of any investment or investment strategy is not indicative of future performance. With any investment, returns are variable and the investor could lose money. Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please visit financelab.dalbar.com to connect with today's guest. We'll see you on our next episode of Finance Lab. 